Hello, friends. My name is Joe Irwin Bettner, and this is the Eyes on Oklahoma podcast. On today's episode, CBS Sports College Football National Reporter Shahan Jayaraja is back, and he is helping us draft Big 12 Player of the Year candidates. Now, I'll admit this pod uh, is pretty long, and maybe that's good for some of you, especially just you know early in the week, want to get some college football content in. But uh, me and Shahan can talk, and so we uh, we got together and drafted. Uh, guys that we think uh, should be offensive and defensive player of the year candidates and it was uh, honestly a really good discussion just about who are the big names in the conference heading into the 2022 season as uh, spring practices are over and the transfer portal is still you know buzzing it's still going there's there's going to be some movement um, but there there is a uh, you know a lot of uh, a lot of guys that have established that will be back in the Big 12 next season, and I thought it was a, a good time. You know, here we are in May to, to, to talk about them. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I do want to mention we recorded this last uh, Wednesday, so I think I make like a Jordan Addison joke. I don't know if he's perhaps in the you know somewhere else, but just keep that in mind that this was recorded last week. So I uh, appreciate you all uh, for tuning in, subscribing to the newsletter, eyesonoklahoma.com if you're not already signed up for the newsletter. So uh, without wasting any more of your time, because once again, this was uh, this one went a little long. Uh, here is my conversation with Shahan Jayaraja. Shahan, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. Uh, long time no see. It's It's been a little bit. Uh, the last time that we uh, spoke with each other, Lincoln Riley was still, well, not the last time we spoke to each other, but on this podcast, Lincoln Riley was still the head coach at Oklahoma. Caleb Williams was a budding superstar, was going to win five Heismans at OU somehow. Um, and things have changed, um, which is why I, I bring you on today to talk a little bit about the Big 12 and kind of the outlook now that we are not that we're necessarily past the point of like no return for like there could be some guys that uh, still transfer in. Um, but the rosters and I think the, the superstar type of level players are pretty much set in the league if you want to call them superstars. But um, today, Shahan uh, Jairaj of CBS Sports uh, joins us to do a draft of Big 12 Player of the Year candidate. Now, I know that offense and defense, there's two separate awards, but we're just kind of going to go for kind of league MVP type stuff, which is not crowned. I think it should be, to be honest. Like, I like I think it's good that they separated them to an extent, but like, I think it would be cool to have like a league MVP. That's just me. Probably not for everybody. I don't know. But uh, Shahan, it, it's it's actually a pretty, um, I think it's shaping up, shaping up um, in your neck of the woods um, to be a good all year. Right, for, all for, right. <laughs> Well, for your alma mater, my alma mater, OU and Baylor seem to be at the top of the, of the Big 12, along with, you know, potentially West Virginia, maybe Texas, maybe K-State, maybe a lot of maybes going around. But like there is potential for a lot of good football to happen. And I think there's a lot of potential for bad football as well. But uh, to focus in on some of the individual talent that's coming back, um, wanted to draft uh, a few players and we'll both make five selections and um in just kind of going back and forth. And then at the end of the season, I'll make fun of Shahan when inevitably I pick whoever is the offensive player of the year that will happen. So um, Shahan, are, are you ready to get to drafting? <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. We're on well, the clock. I should ask you before we actually set that clock. Are you, are you like kind of like have draft fatigue after a long weekend of the NFL? Did you get, did you, did you get to watch many, uh, much of it at all? 
So I feel like I feel like round one is like the big one that everybody pays attention to. Everybody watches. Then by like day two, you're kind of like, man, my team didn't get who I wanted. And then by day three, you're just like, we drafted a, an offensive lineman from Southern as my Chicago Bears did. And you're just kind of like, man, I thought that I knew a lot about college football and I've never heard of this man in my life. So I, I feel like day one, there's excitement. And then for me, it kind of peters out from there. Obviously, my team, the Chicago Bears, is absolutely awful at drafting and developing and playing football and scoring points and all that sort of stuff, right? So, like, it's it's easy for me, I think, to just move on from that. But uh, but no, so I, I think that drafts are always fun. I, I don't think that I ever get too, too fatigued by it, although I'm glad that we can stop having Malik Willis and Matt Corral discourse at this point. It was a rough, I think for content purposes, it was kind of a rough time for all of us just because like the year before was really fun with the rookie quarterbacks that were coming in. Um, just some of the guys that uh, were coming up, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. But, you know, it's a, uh, th- this class was quite different. Big, big run on defense and like receivers. Um, and the first round, like you said, is just like, that's that's the night like i i still care about it for for yeah, whatever yeah. reason like i don't have an nfl team i just like watching it um but then like yeah the friday night i, I don't think i watched much of it i just kind of kept up with on my phone and then saturday is always just like i for some reason i can always like know where i was when like some random ou guy got drafted in the sixth round because i'm typically at like a grocery store doing some errand that i need to get done. right right um but yeah i'm glad not too much draft fatigue as we do a, another draft but to kind of get into things with the big 12 i i will offer up the first pick to you i think that's only fair jahan i will win this we, we, we are not we have no bet or no sticks in this i want to make that perfectly <laughs> clear i'm being very sarcastic when i say this <laughs> i also, don't know maybe we'll have to maybe we'll have to go off there and come up with one later but well, uh, <laughs> two things like old takes exposed right now and this is kind of going to be a little time capsule for this podcast currently is hacked they do not have access to their account oh so this is a, might be a good thing but also i'm terrible at predictions so i i just i i anytime like you you work for a company that obviously like you know, asks you to give your input on a lot of different things. I used to just have to like for a newspaper, force myself to make predictions for whatever reason, because that's what people like to read about. And I like to read about, um, but I don't feel like <laughs> I, I say this as someone who covers college football uh, and you cover college football. Like, I just, I don't know. It, it just no one saw <laughs> Joe Burrow coming. No one, no, like most of the, I feel like most of the guys we're going to pick. It's it, like, there's going to be candidates that we just, have not given too much credit to like um like i just imagine blake shape and like blake shape and not to not to say picks but like it wouldn't shock me like if he's the best quarterback on the best team in the big 12 like that's who that's who it can typically go to but um i hope i didn't spoil your first pick but shahan um <laughs> so I, so i have to ask before we go are, are we doing snake draft are we doing regular draft because uh, I, I think that factors into my decision <sighs> I think just since it's the two of us, we'll avoid. I, I, we've done. I've, I've done snake before when I've had an, like a, a, a three person draft, but right. since it's just the two of us, I think it's fair to go back and forth. Okay, okay. I, th- I think that that's the right decision. So then, with that said, with my number one pick in the two what years? The 2022. I don't even Big know. Big Twelve <laughs> Player of the Year draft. I'm gonna go with Deuce Vaughn. 
man, do spawn off the board. I, I kind of felt that that might be where you went. You had a terrific year. Why, why do, why do spawn? Why, why is he going to get the award this year? So a, a couple reasons, and I, I don't want to name too many other candidates because obviously we'll get to them. But I think that the big thing that I like about Deuce Vaughn is that he's on a team that has a chance to take a step. Now, maybe I, I don't think that they're going to compete necessarily for the Big 12, but they could compete for eight, nine, 10 wins this year. So they have the improvement. His numbers last year, I, I feel like he did not get anywhere near enough respect. 1,400 yards rushing, 18 touchdowns. That in itself is ridiculous. Then 468 yards receiving and four touchdowns. Like he is ridiculous from a statistical perspective. Uh, And the other thing that I do like about him that I think other teams are maybe going to struggle with is that he is like clearly the candidate on his team. He is clearly the guy. There's not going to be any question of, is it, you know, is this the guy we reward? Is this the guy we reward? Like Deuce Vaughn is the engine of that team. And I think teaming up with Adrian Martinez is going to give him a good opportunity to maybe not have to be the only dynamic player on that offense. So look, he might just replicate some of his numbers from last year. And even if he does that, uh, I think that Kansas State could maybe improve marginally enough that he could still be the player of the year. I definitely think that Adrian Martinez gives him, I, I think can open him up a lot to more things. It's just kind of one of those things where Adrian Martinez can do a lot of things and can take a lot of the pressure off of Deuce Vaughn, but at the same time, just having a, and I, I know this is no disrespect to Skylar Thompson, but just the the way that Martinez plays and can, I, the way that the, the running styles of Skylar Thompson and Adrian Martinez are pretty different. And the way that Martinez can kind of carry the ball. And, you know, I don't know if K-State's going to implement a lot, a lot of RPO, but, you know, they very well could just because they have the tools in the backfield to do so. Um, but you're right, man, the, the, the stats from 2021 were uh, super impressive. Uh, obviously, I love Deuce Vaughn, just short king, um, represents short king everywhere so and i know that's all right like for being an ou podcast like i'm sure a ton of people don't love deuce vaughn i think because he's very reminiscent of a darren sproles who uh broke the hearts of ou fans uh you know famously in 2003 but uh deuce vaughn is a great pick and i think the k-state i mean you're saying eight nine wins and I, i think that's very reasonable i don't disagree at all but i do think that this could be a league that cannibalizes itself a little bit and could put even like an nine win Kansas state team into the big 12 championship game. No question. No question. I I think that you look at that top group and you know, I, again, it's it's almost like uh, Baylor, Oklahoma, I think are going to be in that group. Oklahoma state has a chance to be in that group. Texas has a chance to be in that group, but like Kansas state is right on the edge of it too. So like if a couple of those teams falter, which would not be a huge surprise at all to me, I, I mean, there's no reason that Kansas State couldn't find a way to sneak in. And I mean, honestly, the, the way that kind of some of these teams are set up, I mean, there's probably not going to be, at least off the top of my head, I don't think that there is an offensive player that has more of a shot to be the focal point of his offense than right. Deuce Vaughn. So if we're talking just pure volume, and there, I mean, there's a few guys that like, I could see just some some guys I might be able to pick in this draft, but like you know, there's a few offenses that I think are set up to to really produce a lot of numbers, just the way that the the speed, the hurry up offenses that are still kind of in the league. But Deuce Vaughn is a is a great first pick um, coming from Kansas State. I 
once again, like 1400 yards last rushing yards last season. Like, I, I don't think people realize that. No, 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 not, not whatsoever. I mean, Kansas state, Kansas state had a decent start and just, I mean, kind of, it, it was the middle part of the season. Just things kind of fell apart a little bit. Yeah, Skyler, Skyler got hurt, yeah. and I, I'm sorry, Will Howard is one of the worst football players I've seen <laughs> in the past couple of years. Uh, I'll let the he wasn't supposed to be playing that. right. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't supposed to be playing right now. Like to be fair to him, like he was very young, he was very inexperienced. Uh, there's a reason that they looked for an upgrade at quarterback. They they could not go forward with Will Howard as their only guy. So uh, I think that Adrian Martinez, from a talent perspective, is much better obviously than Skylar Thompson. It's, it's the mistakes. It's the, the mental lapses, but I think that this is a staff that's really going to ask him to do things that he can do at a high level. And maybe that can help limit some of these mistakes. And if that happens, I mean, again, we saw what the, what this team has been over the past two years, really with Skylar Thompson in the lineup. Um, and, and so I think that Adrian Martinez has an opportunity to potentially grow on that. Oh. Um. It'll be interesting to see, man. I'm, I'm, I'm actually kind of like, uh, I mean, not super upset, but like, I think uh, just anytime you get to play K State when they're good in Manhattan, and OU gets the gets a home game this year against K State. But anytime you get to play K State in Manhattan when 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 they are good is a fun time, and I hope that there are plenty of like big game opportunities for Deuce Vaughn to kind of show out and you know not to say that like you know like OU or really you know it's kind of, it, it does it does feel like the prime time for like any OU road game or any OU road game ends up being prime time because OU's just usually highly ranked um but it being you know in Norman this year I hope that those big game opportunities I don't actually have the Kansas State schedule off the top of my head but I, I think they've got Mizzou a, early in the year. They've got uh, so OU is week four okay. on the road, of course. They get Tech at Iowa State at TCU. I think that'll be a really important stretch for them if they can play really well at that point. I, I think that they have a chance to to be really good. Yeah. Uh, well, I will uh, move the draft along, and I, I feel like you're going to hate me um, for this pick uh, because it is a little bit homerish. Um, not the guy you're th- probably thinking, um, but with my first pick, the, and like I said, with like pure volume, um, the talents there. I'm going with Oklahoma receiver Marvin Mims. I was worried. I, I was worried you were going to take him. He was out of the Oklahoma offense. He was my pick. Yeah. Um, and this is like no discredit to, to Dylan Gabriel. I think that he's a fine quarterback. And obviously, like if, if, if he has the year, I think a lot of OU fans expect him to, then he would definitely be up for this award. But I think that the way that Marvin Mims plays in, in terms of just, you know, kind of uh, you can just throw it over the top. He's going to burn you for a 50-yard touchdown. It did not happen as regular as I think a lot of OU fans would have liked um, over the past few years. And he still put up really big numbers. And I think that's important to note because I get burned a lot on Twitter for saying like, OU is not using Marvin Mims enough. And they're like, he's, he's the team's leading receiver. And I'm like, no, I know they're still not using him enough, which is it, 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 you know, it goes down to, you know, you know, obviously I know there's a lot of just kind of like situational type football stuff that 
factors into that kind of thing. And Marvin Mims is really he's at his best when Oklahoma is like backed up 60 yards from the goal line, as opposed to being a guy that you can, you know, throw a goal line fade to, which why would you throw a goal line fade? But Oklahoma threw a lot of goal line fades um, beside the point. A lot, a lot of questionable decisions last year in general. I think, I'm not going to get into them. I'm not going to get into them. But last season finishes with 705 yards, receiving five touchdowns, a little bit of a, um, I guess, uh, I don't want to say decline, but having nine touchdowns the year before, less receiving yards. But uh, he's really stepped in, I think, uh, stepped up as a leader this offseason. I mean, it seems like he's going to be a captain type guy. Um, super, super smart dude. I think is going to, as much as we kind of talk about like the, the stuff through the NIL lens of like guys with big personalities are going to do well. Um, I just think that Marvin Mims, just his, his entire personality of if, if OU makes him kind of the face, which I it's kind of becoming him and Dylan Gabriel. Uh, I think that people will take notice and I think would add to his um, big 12 offensive player of the year hopes. But um, I think he can be the best player in the league, just Jeff Levy system. I mean, I know you're familiar with what, with what Jeff Levy, not, not necessarily what he runs, but just like the, the, the the mentors he's had it's going to be i don't feel like enough is we we, the the whole conversation about brent benables being unproven is one thing and you know i i think brent benables is going to be fine as a head coach i don't don't know if he's going to be bob stoops or if you know he's going to be anywhere close to that but i think he's going to be really good for the program but i think jeff levy uh, he's been under a lot of good guys, you know, Blaine Kiffin, Josh Heupel, um, and now he gets his ch- shot to, you know, kind of run the show and won't have much oversight from his head coach. And if he wants to throw 80 yard bombs to Marvin Mims every other play, I, I, I think there's a lot of Big 12 defenses that <laughs> will uh, will not be able to cover that. So it'll be interesting to see what, how Marvin Mims does and a very, I mean, would you not agree a pretty loaded receiver group for the Big 12 this coming season? Yeah, it's an interesting group. I, I think last year was a little bit of a of a step back, maybe, but you head into this year. I mean, the funny thing about the Big 12 the past couple of years is that there's been this ebb and flow, right? There was this moment where everybody was running these dynamic sort of air raid-based offenses. And then you kind of had this pull back to where last year was like a, a hardcore running back league in a lot of different ways. I think this year, I, I like Quentin Johnston. I like Xavier Hutchinson from Iowa State. Uh, Marvin Mims has a chance to be one of the best in the league for sure. Like, I, I, I think it, this is a real bounce back year for the receiver group for sure. I, I will mention, um, I, it's weird. You didn't uh, you didn't mention uh, uh, Jeff Lebby's original uh, mentor, but you know, I, I guess Josh Heupel and, and Lane Kiffin are probably the... The, the only ones that matter. The the eyes on Oklahoma style guide uh, calls for not mentioning that person. <laughs> I like it. I, I respect it. I think that's absolutely the right decision. No, I, I think you talk about the way that Marvin Mims was used. I mean, because he's not a huge receiver, you know, 5'11", 177 pounds, but like that's the type of receiver that's taking over college football these days. Like that, that slot receiver type, somebody who's a great route runner who gets open in the field, uh, you know, creates mismatches on defense, pulls safeties down, all that sort of stuff. Uh, I, I think that you're right. Jeff Levy's offense has an opportunity to, I think, just feed him in a way that he should have been fed last year. And, and a lot of that has to do 
with the weirdness at quarterback, right? I mean, with Spencer Rattler having his struggles and then Caleb Williams only kind of having a limited, I think, grasp of the offense at the, at the beginning. So I, I think that they're going to have a much more cogent strategy of how to get him the ball, just because I think that it'll be a little bit more of a unified type of mindset per se. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, he is somebody who, I mean, talent wise, there's no question. Right. And, and so I think that you look also at what Ole Miss did the past couple of years. I mean, they really fed Elijah Moore back two years ago. They really fed Dontario Drummond last year. So I think that that uh, Jeff Levy likes to find a guy who he can rely on. And certainly I think that uh, that Marvin Mims can be that guy. And and we we, we I know that you posted about and uh, and I know that CBS also has up, you know, he's somebody who's a borderline first round pick, right? Right now, and if he has a really strong year, the kind of year that honestly everybody should expect him to have, uh, he's he absolutely has a shot of winning this award. And and I I agree too. I think that Marvin Mims is the guy who will probably emerge as the the sort of face of the passing offense more than Dylan Gabriel because I think that uh, I think that Marvin Mims is that kind of talent. It's going to be, I mean, unless like Dylan Gabriel becomes like a, a true, and I know he's got that mobility, but I just, I wonder post injury, like if he becomes more hesitant with, with, with taking those running lanes. And obviously I mean, like he's a, I feel like if you were to ask him, he was like, no, like I'm, I'm out there to compete, nothing changes, but you know, I'll, I'll be interested to see like how much is he going to lean on, you know, other guys to kind of make plays and maybe not sacrifice his body so much. Cause this is a big year for him. I know he's got two years of eligibility, but um, I, I think that the idea is that this is a one-year kind of rental thing for Oklahoma before, you know, whoever is the, I, I, I want, I always want to say like the true freshman that they just brought in and they've got another four-star guy coming in after that, but it just in the portal era, you, you never know. Like, I mean, Quinn Ewers could be at Oklahoma a year from now. <laughs> Probably not Quinn Ewers, but um, <laughs> he, he won't have the one year transfer left. Is that is the one thing that you say about Quinn Ewers? But yeah, uh, yeah I mean, you, you don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, I, I like uh, Nick Evers, the kid that they brought in this year. Jackson Arnold, of course, that is 2023. And he's like a top 50 national type recruit who, who only keeps going up. And so you never know. But I think that uh, I think that Dylan Gabriel has a chance to have a breakout year. And I, I think if he has a hit this year. Like you, you got to get out. You've been injured. You've been, uh, you know, you've obviously dealt with that side of things. If you feel like you're going to be drafted in the in the third or fourth round next year, I think that you take that opportunity. Well, um, moving on uh, to your second pick, Shahan. Who do you have? Who who would you like to take off the board? We don't need to have a long discussion about this one. This one's very straightforward, and that's Bijan Robinson. So, the thing that you have to question about with Bijan Robinson is. Does Quinn Ewers take some of the attention away from like a, a height perspective, from like a player of the year type uh, balloting perspective? And do they split votes? Um, Xavier Worthy also could be somebody in that camp. And, and really, I mean, Aggie Hall, who came over, like they've got a lot of weapons who I think are going to be names this year. The other thing that you have to take into account with Bijan Robinson is, uh, is Texas going to go five and seven? Because that happened last year. I don't know if people remember that. Uh, I, I don't know if your listeners are aware, but Texas lost to Kansas last year. Year. It was uh, oh, it was they're crazy. very aware. <laughs> they're oh, okay, good, good, good. I Super I'm not breaking any news. <laughs> that was I mean, a, honestly like sorry to cut you off, but no, no, no. I think that the same day that Kansas beat Texas in football last season uh, was football, the same yeah. day. 
in football. Um, <laughs> it was the same day Oklahoma lost to Baylor. And I think that Kansas beating Texas later that night was very therapeutic for a lot of Oklahoma fans, even though like, you know, the, the undefeated season for Oklahoma had ended with that loss and uh, playoff hopes were still kind of alive, but I think it confirmed a lot of like what OU fans kind of knew, but didn't want to admit yeah. about the team. Um, but then Kansas, you know, messes around and beats Texas. Uh, it was, uh, it, it, it's just, it's, it's fun to laugh at. Um, it, it, and it, you know, I, I don't know if, uh, I feel like whatever, whatever happens this season, I don't know if Texas is going to go five and seven, or if they're going to go, you know, nine and three or whatever it may be. But I think Sark's going to just unload the clip for that Kansas game. He's not losing to Kansas again. Like that, like famous I, last words, <laughs> famous last words that I, and I'm not, I'm really not trying to steal. Uh, if, if you follow red dirt sport on Twitter, it, it's a very red dirt sport bit about like, no way Texas loses to Kansas. Um, <laughs> I just don't think there's any way Texas. I, and hey, I, I don't think anyone's going to be uh, like unhappy if this prediction is wrong. But there is there is no way you you have Bijan Robinson, a bunch of other people that we could potentially pick in this draft. But like, you, you, I think that just kind of to relate it back to your pick um, with Bijan, the the one thing that I didn't understand, he's a little bit like Marvin Mims and great numbers, great production, still was not used enough. Um, yeah. He would disappear yeah. in second halves. And I think that Quinn Ewers and maybe having some added receivers, possibly Jordan Addison um, <laughs> could be. Uh, but if you're, and if the passing game is there and is an effective, I guess, you know, part of that offense, then maybe you can spread out Bijan's 30 carries over the course of four quarters, as opposed to trying to rack up 200 yards in the first half and then falling apart. So I don't know if that's, I mean, I, I feel like Sarkeesian where I think the still as much as I think he's weirdly respected as Texas's head coach. I think he's got a lot of like a lot of questions to answer this coming season. And if he can't get the best out of Bijan Robinson, it's, it, 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 I feel like it goes down as one of the biggest mismanage, mismanagements of a head coach, or at least like one of the biggest wastes of talent on just a mediocre f football team. I mean, is that too harsh? I mean, <laughs> I, I don't think so. I mean, I think that I think that to, to change the question of this draft around, right? If you were to pick the single most talented player in the Big 12 this next year, would you pick B. John Robinson? Because I, I think that he has a very good case, regardless of position, regardless of team. Like, this is not a question about player of the year, but like, if we're talking about the player who is the most talented player at their position, I think that Bijan Robinson arguably is that player, right? Yeah, I'm. I didn't, that's the problem with like kind of like. I think that the way that running backs are valued now, like, it just doesn't matter as much. Like, I mean, I think it matters to an extent at the college level, but like, if you're talking, I, I think it definitely matters in college. I, I think that it's different than more so, and yeah, I, and definitely and more I so at the college think, level. I do think too, that like, I, I'm not picking him in the top five, right? I'm not, I'm not Saquon Barkley it. I'm not Leonard for netting no. it, nothing like that. But like, I think that Bijan Robinson, if he has the season that we expect from him this next year, which like you said, comes a little bit down to Steve Sarkeesian. I think that he is the rare running back 
who I think you can rationalize into taking in the first round. Like, I think that he is that good. I think he's that talented. I think he's that versatile. We've seen him used as a receiver and he's been really solid. We've seen him used as a blocker and he's very good. Like he is a legitimate three down running back. You can use him in any situation. You can take him out wide. Like B. John Robinson, again, relative to the running back position, because like you said, I mean, you're not going to get picked number one as a running back anymore. That's just not how the sport works. But but relative to position, I, I don't know if there's a bigger plus in the Big 12. And I mean, even I, I think he's in, on the short list of across college football, to be honest, yeah. of the most talented players. Now, that doesn't mean anything. If you go you know, and play Baylor and go 17 for 43 yards with one touchdown, it doesn't matter how talented you are. If you go play against, uh, you know, against Kansas and go 14 for 70 yards and get hurt, it doesn't matter how talented you are. But if you're asking me who is the guy who has the chance to, to just explode, I mean, we saw it for stretches last year that B. John Robinson has that. And like you said, you know, he's, this this is uh, one reason that I think that Deontay Foreman sometimes gets a little disrespected in terms of uh, running backs. Like to be able to run the ball thirty times a game and just stay healthy and keep going, not everybody can do that. That was something I was worried about. You know, when we talked to him over the off season, one thing that he had said is that he had basically never carried the ball more than twenty times a game, like at any point, because his high school was just like let's just use him sometimes, and he'll run for a touchdown on the you know the seven times that we give him the ball, and then we'll just keep him on the sideline. And it's an adjustment going and running the ball twenty times plus a game. So. Uh, I'll be curious to see whether they use him a little bit more uh, smartly in that situation. And I'll be curious to see also whether Bijan continues to develop his body to be ready for that. But I mean, the upside's there, obviously. I mean, I, I think that the upside is there for him to be one of the best running backs of the past couple of years. I agree. I, I was going to say like the one thing that, uh, the one thing that is just makes me hesitant and I don't think this, you know, your question about like, is he the most talented? This does not take away from the talent that he is. But the offensive line there, man, like I, it's I know you, it's, it's one of those good. things where I know like they're, they're paying crazy money for a bunch of freshmen. But I mean, even even blue chip freshmen is still you're you're really like, you're betting the house on like a high school kid that projects really well in college. But I mean, it, the, I, I feel like it, it would be one thing if they like got five proven power five starters at a like a, a offensive lineman, but the I I just I don't know. And Bijan didn't need a great offensive line last year to do some of the damage that he did. And I think that a little bit of that is just like the design of the scheme, getting him out in space, not needing that offensive line nearly as much. Cause like you said, he's he's a pretty decent receiver. Um he's got good hands, reminds me a little bit of Joe Mixon in that way. And you know, he's got, he's just got a lot of talent. And w- one of the other things too, and once again, I'm not trying to, you know, uh, being an OU podcast, not trying to go on a Texas love fest, but listen to his interviews, man. Like Bijan's a yeah, smart he's guy. He's, he's, he's really good. Um, he's super likable. He's the, he's the type of guy you'd want on your football team. Um, and, and bodies, you know, I think, you know, w- more, you know, if, if Texas could f- figure out how to, you know, take that and apply it to the other 84 scholarship guys, then, <laughs> all problems would be solved. But uh, as we have learned over the off season, especially with the, uh, some of the comments that have been made by some of the team veterans, uh, not everyone uh, is as optimistic about the outlook of, uh, of, of well, the rest of the team. Well, I don't know well, if that, that's 
Yeah. Don't worry. Don't worry. I think that getting all the kids who were kicked off of Alabama's roster for being malcontents <laughs> will probably solve it. And with that, I think we can go on to your next pick. <laughs> oh man. I was kind of filibustering a little bit. Cause I'm like, after this, like it, it really, <laughs> it gets, know, it gets a little weird. It gets a little weird. It does get a little weird. Um, okay. This is a, this is a bit of a, I probably could get him later. I'm going to get him right now, though. And it's mostly because I think you might take him. But I'm going with Siaki Ika. And oh, okay. I like it. I like Big, it. Big 12. And I say this because Big 12, a newcomer, defensive newcomer of the year last year, blue chip guy from LSU, super disruptive, had, had just a really good season for Baylor. And I think that with what Dave Aranda, not necessarily the, the defense, and I think you you could probably speak more to this than, than I can, just being a little more uh, tapped in with, with, with the Bears. But just that defense, I mean, where it starts for, for, for Baylor and why they were so good last season is just – the, the Dave Aranda values play in the trenches. And when you're, when you're looking at some of the guys and uh, some of the, you know, some of these programs and kind of like at Texas, I'll, I'll kind of, you know, not, not to throw too many strays, but like you're, you're going after a bunch of skill guys, which has never really been the issue for Texas. <laughs> like, let's go get some defensive players, guys. Like, I don't like, I don't know if it's just, you don't have the pedigree to go out and get some, you know, top flight defensive recruits in the transfer portal. And maybe there just aren't as many out there as skill guys. Cause I do think that skill guys are a little bit of a, it's one of the most valuable positions, but God, there's so many of them, but with, with, with what I think that Dave Randa does in that defense winning in the trenches being such a big priority, which it feels like a weird, simple thing to say, but like when you see it in action and you see kind of like how Baylor goes about their defense, just that, that aggressiveness. And I know that it, like it, a lot of it comes down to that linebacker play, how they use their safeties. It's, it's all like, it all kind of works together in unison, but I think this is a guy who can, you know, here's a guy that could, could really, <laughs> here's a guy. <laughs> I, I caught myself saying it, but like, Here's a guy that I think that can have a really good year in the Big 12. I, I'm curious, are, are you as high on him coming off of what was, I think, a, a really impressive 2021? I'm doing a little bit pro projecting on my end. This The production, as far as like stats-wise, was not nearly as – like when, when I saw that, I was just like, no, he was really, really good last year. And then I saw the stats, I was like, that's a little bit underwhelming. Yeah, and, and the thing that you say is that – I mean, Siaki Ika is a nose tackle. You can't just judge him based off his numbers, right? And, and his numbers were good. 24 tackles, six tackles for loss, three and a half sacks. Like he was a productive player, but I think that that masks some of his, his actual production, right? His actual impact on games. And so the, the thing that I like about this pick a lot is that when you look at what Baylor's going to do next year, this past year, it was very back seven driven. It was very Jill and Petrie. It was very Terrell Bernard. And they're going to be, good on the back end for sure. I mean, it's a Dave Aranda defense. You're going to be fine. But I do think that if Baylor has a dominant defense again this next year, it's going to be very front seven driven because that's the unit where they have so many guys coming back. They added Jackson player as a transfer from Tulsa. Uh, you know, he's a really dynamic player. They have a chance to have like a top 
five to eight national defensive line potentially like they could potentially be in that role and and Ike is certainly the guy on that unit he's not going to put up huge numbers that's going to be the one thing that maybe holds him back from getting as much uh credit as he deserves but he's so dominant when he plays right I mean he completely blows up what teams want to do in the run game I mean he, he is a really dominant player if he can if he can be in the like 10 tackle for loss range and be in like the 35 40 tackle range i think that's all he needs to be he doesn't need to be aaron donald he doesn't need to be will anderson um but you know i think that especially because of the hype he kind of got this past year if baylor has a good year and their defensive line is is part of the reason why i think that eek is going to get a lot of credit for that I'm, I'm I'm glad I picked him. I was a little when I when it came out, I was just like, "Oh, he's about to roast me." He's like, "No, you got." <laughs> I mean, come on! Like, if you're gonna pick a great defensive lineman, you can't. That's not. You're never gonna be wrong, right? Like, you're never ever going to be wrong uh, picking feel, a guy like Ika. It kind of like looking at and once again, I think this is a little bit of just like we're not far removed from the draft um, yeah. as we record this, but like you're you're seeing. Um, I don't know. I don't want to say like an increased priority on defensive linemen, but there was just so many good ones. As much as there wasn't Definitely. like great quarterbacks in this draft, there was a ton, a ton of guys. And, you know, it, you know, it, it, it affected just because you're following it on the OU side of things. It affected a lot of like what OU's front seven and which was, you know, for, for lack of a big 12 title was pretty good last season. Definitely. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think that I think he can have a really strong season, kind of like you said, with just, you know, kind of losing some of the guys. I think Baylor will be fine defensively, but I, I do think that he can maybe break out a little bit more um, and it definitely can be one of the uh, household names is kind of it's kind of Baylor. You know, it, it kind of coincides. Like, I mean, they, you know, let's not forget they did win the Big 12 championship last year, but I do think this is a program that is still working its way back into kind of the mainstream as like this is a team that's going to compete for the big 12 every season. Kind of like you saw like 2013, 14, 15, you know, during that era, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I like what Baylor has coming back and especially Ika. Um, I think that they can uh, be really good. Definitely. Definitely. Well, I will stay on the defensive side of the ball. I'll actually stay on the defensive line and I'll pick a player who, I think should already be a household name, to be honest, in Big 12 circles. And maybe he is. Maybe I'm underwriting that. But Colin Oliver at Oklahoma State, as a freshman, 10 and a half sacks, 15 and a half tackles for loss. I mean, he was ridiculous. Malcolm Rodriguez was the leader of that defense, and he obviously deserved to be there. Their safety's got a lot of credit. But holy crap, Colin Oliver, like that was a ridiculous, ridiculous first year. Uh, I I think that my big question for him is going to be how good is Oklahoma State this upcoming year? You know, how much does that defense regress with Jim Knowles gone? Because they're not, I mean, statistically, you could make the case. And actually, I think that a lot of people did make the case that it's Georgia Wisconsin and then Oklahoma State was arguably number three in the country. And they those three teams were in a tier of their own last year defensively, I think. And they're going to have to replace a lot of guys. They have a new coordinator coming in, but it's Derek Mason, who's pretty damn proven. And so, uh, you know, Colin Oliver, I think, has a chance to be a... a I mean, is it is it outrageous to say that he could push for like 15 sacks this year? Like he is going to be an absolute problem. 
I think the way that Derek Mason comes in and from what I've been reading, just kind of on that beat is that he's really not trying to complicate things. He's trying yeah. his best to like kind of stick to the, the Jim Knowles um, type of defense, a Jim, Jim Knowles type beat. Um, <laughs> he's uh, but Colin Oliver w- was on my list. Uh, he was on my big board and I, I, I thought, I, I thought about taking him with the, with my second pick, but um, he's really good. Uh, just as far as just uh, the way that he just is, can get into the backfield. And a lot of that, a lot of that impressiveness for me, at least is that uh, covering him. He, he was a guy that, uh, came up through the Oklahoma high school football system, played at Edmond Santa Fe and covered them a little bit through um, covering other teams, but they would play out against Colin Oliver. And like the thing that impresses me the most is that like, not, and this is once again, this is not disrespect to Colin Oliver, but when I saw him out of high school, it was like, yeah, that's, that's a, you know, that's a, that's a good guy for Oklahoma state. Like he, he, you know, three, four years from now, he's going to look amazing. Like he's, he's going to get in that weight program. I think Oklahoma state does a good job of, you know, what they lack as far as just, you know, the, the, you know, a lot of the stars and whatnot, but like, you know, the, you know, stars do matter, but the way that they develop the physicality, as far as their defense goes, it's been super impressive. And you see the pictures side by side of like Colin Oliver in high school and him, his freshman year at Oklahoma state, it's remarkable. It's a remarkable transformation, what he's put into his game. And you got to put that on display for, like you said, one of the best defenses in college football last season. Um, he's, he's one hell of a player. And I think that he's, you know, being a guy that, you know, I can't imagine he's, you know, leaving, uh, I don't, I don't know if he leaves after, you know, year three, but you know, this is only a sophomore year. So he's going to be a problem yeah. for, the, for the next two seasons uh, for, for a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the big 12, but you know, I think that Oklahoma state, I don't know if they're going to compete for the big 12. I it just, <laughs> he got them to the big 12 championship game, but Spencer Sanders, I'm, I'm just, I, I can't buy into it. <laughs> I, I just yeah. can't buy into yeah. it. Like I, I know that there's a good quarterback there. And I, I think that you can say this, probably not about every quarterback, but like there, he has his moments, but my God, is it not consistent enough to be like no. a guy that I can sit here in May and be like, yeah, he's going to take Oklahoma state back to the big 12 title game. And this was, I mean, this is what Spencer Sanders, he's going into his third season starting. No, no. Into his fourth season starting. He, he's going to be a four year starter at Oklahoma state. And the thing that's most frustrating is that it does not feel like he's gotten any better. Like, it does not feel like he has improved one bit. And for whatever criticisms, you know, some fair that people make of Mike Gundy, he's done a great job with quarterbacks. They've consistently gotten better under his watch. And so, I mean, if let's turn back the clock to 2018, right? Remember what Mike Gundy got out of Taylor Cornelius? And this is what you're getting out of Spencer Sanders, one of the top 250 players in the recruiting class, Mr. Texas football, like... It's just, I, I don't think it's going to happen, right? I don't think that it's going to happen. Now, maybe we can be proven wrong. Maybe there's a Kenny Pickett in there somewhere. And uh, <laughs> and he just he just needed to get all the way to year four of starting to, to be able to unlock it. But man, it's uh, I, I'm definitely concerned about that Oklahoma State offense. Um, you know, I mean, they even last year with one of the great defenses that we've seen the past couple of years in the Big 12, like they very easily could have lost 
three or four games in the first half of the season. And so they're going to need to come out a lot faster this upcoming year. They're going to be the hunted in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, they get, they get Baylor in week four, they have Arizona state in week two. Like it's, it's tough right away. It's real tough right away. So they're going to need to figure things out. Also, they have a, they have central Michigan coming back to town and uh, Oklahoma state fans will, will definitely remember that team. That was still one of the best games, man. All right. Uh, we were uh, temporarily cut off um, because I don't know. Zoom just decided to stop working much like Oklahoma State's offense did at times. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, a team that uh, I think I don't really remember where we were kind of leaving off at, but like just them being the hunted hunted um, has not really bode well for Mike Gundy. They, they've always been a team that's like snuck up on people. Um don't know why that is, but that's just kind of been OSU's MO uh, for the past decade. Yeah, and, and they have an opportunity, certainly, to, to break into that top group. But again, when you start with a couple of these teams that I think could be a little frisky early, uh, again, Baylor versus Texas Tech at TCU versus Texas at Kansas State right there sort of in, uh, in the month of October, that's going to be an important stretch for them. Um, you know, I think that certainly you assume that they go on the road and lose at Baylor, but if they can take care of business in those other games, they, they still very much have a chance to be in the Big 12 title mix. It'll be interesting to see if they can do that. Uh, as I said, we've done a decent job of kind of going from team to team. I'm going to take our first repeat kind of player um, with my third pick. Um, you are taking Colin Oliver. I need to, at first, when you first drafted, I was like, oh, I need to probably write this down so I don't forget. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to go back to the K-State well. Felix yeah. and Adike Uzama. Yeah. Uh, the Kansas State, who I believe will be a junior this season now, yeah. um, the defensive end for K State, uh, one of the a guy that has kind of dealt with a little bit of health issues, just kind of staying on the field. Um, but when he's been on the field, has just been super successful for that defense. And I think you know Kansas State has it's never really had an issue with I think turning defenses and you know producing really good players. But um, he's definitely been a standout. Just kind of looking at what he did last season: um, eleven sacks, uh, had uh, fifty-two total tackles. Uh, just a really really solid season for him after. Um, I believe he uh, can't remember what happened with him. Was it an injury in 2020? Um, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was. But uh, I was going to say, like, his, I'm looking at his stats, like, I know he didn't play much, but it's just like yeah, one He was tackle. also a freshman, too. So I think yeah. that's a combo of those things. But I, and that's a guy that, too, that like with his size and frame could really be a guy that, you know, as much as we, as much as the Big 12, not we, but like the Big 12 gets kind of clowned on for like not having the first round draft picks. I mean, not to say that he's going to be there, but there are some really good guys at like high value positions um, that, you know, typically go in the first round. You know, we talked a little bit about Bijan Robinson, who I think could could be a guy that is the exception to the running back rule. Uh, but I, I, I do think that... Um, our guy Felix, who I once again will not try to say his last name again, uh, <laughs> with respect to his last name. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean he obviously tr tremendous player ended up being an All Big Twelve first team pick, uh, very deserving. The only reason that I prioritized Colin Oliver over him was because, like Felix, 
the one thing that you say about him is that seven of his sacks came against Southern Illinois and TCU. So, you know, two FCS programs, but, um, but I think that certainly he's going to have, <laughs> there we go. There we go. I was like, did, did you miss that? Did, are you going to catch that? Are you going to get yeah, anyway? <laughs> but I think uh, that I, I will put that in the group chat, by the way, we'll, we'll, <laughs> good, good, we'll good. see what the council says. <laughs> good, good, good. Uh, you know, but I think that that's where he can really up his game is just having some of these sacks in bigger moments, right? He only had half a sack versus Baylor, none versus Texas. Uh, he did have one against Oklahoma, but that's really what I want to see from him is, is taking that step and having these moments in big games. Like you said, he has the measurables. I mean, he is 6'3", 252, moves just shockingly well for somebody that size. If he's able to build on what he did this past year, and again, with a lot of these guys, it's just replicating numbers. If they can replicate what they did this past year, but do it in more situationally friendly spots, that's really, I think, what I what I want to look at. And so uh, he will for sure also be the guy who, who kind of has that name recognition going into the year on the defensive side of the ball for Kansas State. And so, you know, the reality is if Kansas State wins 10 games and makes a big 12 title game, people will look at Deuce Vaughn and will look at Felix as the two guys who kind of got them there. So I, I think that that gives them a big advantage. I will, uh, I will say, I, I think that kind of going back to what you said a little bit about Colin Oliver, I just, I don't know if the, if the record will be there and honestly, just like with the defensive guys that I think coming back there, there is some, there's a lot of talent that's going to be difficult for him to, you know, I think break out as you mentioned the, the productions there, but it, you know, how he got there is a it can you can you know pick you know poke some holes in in the in the argument for sure. But once again, I just I think that with what w- the size he has, you know, added maturity, um, it being you know a little bit more of Chris Kleiman's, you know, this is I think we're, we're we're very much past like this is still kind of building. Like if it's not now, then you know. I mean, this is what you got essentially. Um, but I, I think he'll be really interesting to watch. And I think Kansas state's defense as a whole will be just interesting to, to see and follow, see how they, how they kind of come back because they're, they're one of the teams kind of like a, kind of like an Iowa state, kind of like a Baylor, they figured out ways to slow down a lot of really talented offenses. And I think it really, you know, it starts with that defensive line. They've got some really good dudes, but uh, Shahan, um, your fourth pick as we, we, not really breeze down the strap as quickly as I thought we would, but it's been a lot of fun conversation. <laughs> I mean, come on, we're, we're big talkers. I don't think that we were ever going to breeze down much of anything. <laughs> I, this is tough. Cause one, one way that I tried to research for this, right. Is pulling up the all big 12 list. And so many of the guys on that list are gone now. <laughs> like so many yeah. of the guys on that list are gone most of whom entered the NFL draft, some of whom transferred, which also, uh, you know, isn't ideal. Actually, especially on that first team, that first team is is totally gutted, (laughs) to be honest. Um, Yeah, I I don't know. I, so I feel like we've got a good hold on the best running backs in the conference. I, I think Marvin Mims has a chance to be the best receiver. We got three defensive linemen who have a chance to be not just all big 12, but potentially all Americans. I think, you know, I, I, I think that we're going to go this direction. Um, and you mentioned this guy, obviously off the top, if Baylor repeats, if Baylor does, even if they make it back to the Big 12 championship game, 
they're going to need to be more dynamic in the passing game. They, they just have to be because they lost a 1600 yard rusher in Abram Smith. They lost two of the best defenders in the country in, uh, in Terrell Bernard and Jalen Petrie. And so when you look at Baylor and where they can improve the most, it is in that passing game, right? Gary Bohannon was very serviceable, but never quite elevated past serviceable. So I'm going to go with Blake Shapin. I, I think that Blake Shapin, for him to come in and unseat a senior and, and also even just what he did in his two starts, obviously in the first half of that big 12 championship game, 180 yards, three touchdowns that, I mean, that is upside that we have not seen from a Baylor quarterback in a while, right? Like, I mean, we're, uh, we're, we're going back to the, the years when maybe Charlie Brewer's head worked, you know, back in 2018. So, you know, a while ago is the point a little bit, <laughs> a little bit, but I think that he showed that he has some dynamic downfield ability. The big question for him from that perspective is going to be who steps up at receiver because Baylor did lose Tyquan Thornton and RJ Sneed uh, to the draft and to transfer, but they have a lot of speedsters. They've got some big guys. I, I think that they have an opportunity to be a little bit more dynamic in that passing game. So if Baylor does make it back to the Big 12 championship game, I, I think that Blake Shapin will get a lot of credit for maybe elevating the offense in some ways that they were unable to last year. Were you a part of the camp that when he went in for, uh, for Bohannon, that like he was an upgrade because I think a lot of people saw when he did like, you know, kind of in that reserve role, when he would step in uh, into situations that he's, he's got a decent arm. Like, I mean, he's definitely a lot more. I think he's a much more polished passer. Um, are, were you in that camp or I mean, are you, were you still riding with Bohan at that point? Were you like, Hey, maybe we need to, I, I and once again, Baylor won the Big 12 championship. I, I I need that to be be said, but it does feel like Shapin and what he can do. And obviously, like, I mean, if you add in you know, some of the guys that Baylor lost last season, uh, Tyquan Thornton being a guy that, like, I think terrorized a lot of Big 12 defenses. But, I mean, does he – do you see him just taking Baylor to the next level that maybe Bohannon couldn't? Yeah, you know, it was interesting. Early in the year for Bohannon, you saw the floor, right? And, and like in a good way, you saw how high his floor was. He could make every pass. He made good decisions. You, you know, he did all that sort of stuff. You felt like he, and you felt like he maybe had another level, right? That he could be more dynamic down the field. It wasn't an arm strength issue necessarily with Gary Bohannon. There were sometimes accuracy issues, but it, but he did so many things well. And so I think that I was very surprised when they did name Blake Shape in the starter. I thought it was going to be more of a formality of, hey, you know, Blake played well enough in 2021 that we can open up the competition, but this is still Gary's job. What this tells me, because I, I think that they're, they're comparably talented players who have very different skill sets who do different things well. If if you're if you're Gary Bohannon, you are a physical runner. You're somebody who deals with pressure well. You, you're somebody who moves well. And and Blake Shapin can move too, but he's not somebody who you want to run a whole lot, right? He's not as big. Whereas I think that them picking Blake Shapin tells me that they are very confident in both their offensive line and their receivers. Because I think that what Blake Shapin brings that Gary Bohannon unfortunately never found himself able to bring was that downfield passing game was that dynamic passing attack we saw even in the big 12 championship game as soon as uh, blake shapin was the guy they schemed it up differently they, they schemed it up in a very different way so that tells me too that that it wasn't that gary bohannon wasn't being asked to do things it was that they felt like he couldn't do these things and 
I think that, I mean, I mean if you let, let's put it this way, right? I mean, which quarterback is going to throw, you know, more backbreaking interceptions? It's going to be Blake Shapin. But what quarterback has the better chance of being an All America caliber player? I think it's also clearly Blake Shapin. He gives you a lot more upside, I think, uh, just based on what we saw from Gary Bohannon. So, I expected it to be Bohannon because I thought that they were honestly going to play it pretty safe, but I do think that Blake Shapin gives them a level of upside in the passing game that I I don't think Bohannon could come anywhere close to matching. Yeah. I was going to say just on the topic of, you know, the the quarterback battle that was decided, uh, it's something that I haven't really, uh, I I think that just with, with the way that Dave Aranda touched on it or not touched on it, but like, the fact that he decided before the transfer portal like window closed, like a lot of respect to what Baylor did there, and uh, excited to see where Gary Bohannon ends up um, because I think that he there's a good quarterback there. But I, th- I do think that Blake Shapen, like you said, like he just you know he's 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 got a great arm. It's harder for me. I just think that like you know it's uh, one of those things where there is a lot of unproven quarterbacks in this league and it's kind of hard to tell sometimes with some of the backups that kind of get these little spot situations where they can come in and seeing how they do just because i mean like you know a guy like chandler morris i don't think i'm saying a pick right now um you know your fifth pick i don't think you're i, I don't assume you're taking chandler morris but i mean yeah. the, the a lot of these big 12 defenses as great as they were last year just as, as good as you can be, I mean, like you can be a great defense, but just sometimes a guy that you had no film on is the, right. is auto, you know, suddenly the, the guy and it, it can derail a, a season, like it, not derail a season, but like you can drop a game like Baylor did. Um, and so, but I, I do think that there is a little bit more, I guess what I'm trying to say is I think there is some more validity to what Blake Shapen can do. Um, and you make a good point, you know, when, when coaches go with the inexperienced guy, it can tell a lot about what they how they feel about the rest of the team, um, which was surprising. Just kind of like a you know to tie this back into Oklahoma, I was a little shocked that they went with Caleb Williams, like turned to him, and obviously he had a you know just an all time performance against Texas. But as bad as the offensive line was, and I think that's probably why you do go with a guy like Caleb Williams because he can run the ball a little bit, but there were so many question marks around him that it could have gotten really bad. I mean, like it could have, it could have been a lot worse than 11 and two, um, which is, I think, I believe Oklahoma and, or I think Oklahoma ended up, I think it was 11 and two, but it was 11 and two. um, But regardless, like, I think it says a lot. I'll be excited to see what he can do um, for Baylor. I I will take another quarterback in the fourth round. Um, I feel like I need to get at least one. And this is a, once again, a little bit of projecting on my part. Um, I hate that I'm doing this. I really hate that I'm doing this. But I need them on my team just in case. You know, got, quarterbacks come around and you don't know how they're going to go. Um, like, you but, just want free kombucha? Is that, is that what's happening? <laughs> I, I'm not. I was going to say, is, is that a Quinn Ewers reference? It is a Quinn Ewers reference. I'm not Quinn going. Ewer- I'm not going. Oh, Quinn okay, Ewers. okay, okay, okay. I think numbers wise, with Graham Harrell as offensive coordinator, JT Daniels coming into West Virginia, I'm going to do a little bit of projection here. 
And I think that West Virginia just, I think that Neil Brown has been on a slow and steady. Like, I think we can all agree. Neil Brown's a good head coach. I think he brings in a really good offensive coordinator and Graham Harrell, which at USC quarterback was not the issue. It was never the issue. It's never been the issue. As long as USC has been bad, they've still had a really good quarterback play. And I think that Graham Harrell added to that just with, with what his background is and his pedigree. But I think that JT Daniels walking into that situation is going to see these big 12 defenses. Uh, and he's gonna, I think it's, it's one of those things where I like always want to ask SEC quarterbacks that go to a different league. Like, what's it like seeing this? Like, I just think he's going to be equipped uh, to kind of know he's been reading these types of defenses for a while. Um, and I think he steps into a situation at West Virginia. Now there's, you know, um, a little bit of a question, I think of, you know, you know, with Neil Brown, at least like, I think he's a good coach, but do you necessarily have all the pieces quite yet? And I I think this could be a year at least that they compete for the big, like for a birth. I I think at least like, you know, week one, week two in November, I, I I think there's a possibility that West Virginia is right there, but maybe they fall off in the last half of the month. And, you know, when the picture kind of, or when, when that race becomes a little bit more narrow, I feel crazy picking JT Daniels. Uh, I mean, he's this is his third school, but I, I think there is a talented player there who did some good things at Georgia. Um, just didn't didn't really work out, and you know Stetson Bennett, you know, kind of the hot hand. Um, they kept feeding him, if you want to call him the hot hand there. But uh, just I I I, I, I I feel like this this take could get ratioed, which is why I'm doing it on a podcast and not really putting it out too much. I mean, I will put on Twitter like what our picks were so that people can dissect them without the context of listening to the podcast. And that's usually really good for engagement. Of course, but, of course. But a, a, am I crazy to think that West Virginia with JT Daniels could go to that next level that I think we've been kind of anticipating Neil Brown to go to? Yes. <laughs> no, I... <laughs> I think that JT Daniels is a good player. I think that uh, him and and Graham Harrell is is a match that really could work. My big question is, who are the other good players on West Virginia? Yeah, like, yeah, that's the hard part. <laughs> I, I, this has like my skepticism of the pick has nothing to do with JT Daniels and everything to do with, huh? they they've had a bunch of receivers who can't catch the ball uh their offensive line should be okay i I like their running backs that doesn't really help my case here uh they also lost like multiple defensive starters to the transfer portal because they just hated being there so so the offense is going to get the ball back pretty quick they're going to get a lot of reps (laughs) is what i'm hearing i i think that jt daniels We'll have a chance to throw for like 3,500 yards. I think that part is true. And if you told me me that, yeah, yeah. If you told me that he's the all big 12 first team quarterback, I can see that, right? Like, I think that there's a path to that. I just am worried that, that they might suck. I'm I'm just worried that like (laughs) they, cause, cause here's the other thing too, right? Look at the 10 teams in the league. Uh, you know, Kansas is obviously 10th, but they're going to be improved. They're going to be like a real team that that I think you have to prepare oh, yeah. for. Um, I think that TCU, I'm very curious about. I, I, I mean, 
their upside is probably six or seven wins and their downside is probably three or four wins. I, I think that they're going to be closer to six than to three, but you know, they're, they're probably the second worst team in the league. And then, I mean, I don't know, like the rest of the order could end up in a lot of different ways. And, and the team that I'm, yeah, I mean, tech is probably one that you think will probably be on the lower end of that, but it wouldn't, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if I, I think, I, I think basically tech and West Virginia are in the same sort of place. And that's not a good thing. That, that's not a compliment to West Virginia for, for tech in year one of Joey McGuire to be in a similar spot as West Virginia in year four of Neil Brown, right? Like, that's my concern. I agree. I, I mean, Neil Brown won 10 games a bunch of times at Troy, which is a tough place to win. But like, I've been waiting for it to work and it just has, it hasn't, you know, and they've been, they've been carried by their defense uh, to make bowl games the past two years, their offense, which is Neil Brown's unit has been terrible. Now he's bringing in a coach to do the offense. So I don't really know what he does here at this point. I, I don't know. What I say you do here, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> I, I recruit poorly. I'm roster manage very poorly. I manage games poorly. Like, I know, I know that there's a good coach in there somewhere. I, I know that there is. We've seen it before. But there's just something about this that's not working. And and so I I, I mean, look, it's a fourth round pick. I, I I don't hate the you know, I mean, there's value there. Again, he he has a chance to be the all big 12 first team quarterback, but and it's, the reality is too, maybe all the good teams in the league might have terrible offenses and incredible that's defenses. A lot of qualifiers. There's a lot <laughs> that's of qualifiers. Where I'm at, man. Well, that's, no, that's where and, I'm at. and part of me is just like, all right, I make this pick, like, you know, like either I look like an idiot on a podcast, you know, whatever, or I look like a genius and like I never have genius, to buy a drink yeah. in Morgantown again. <laughs> like, I, I don't know whether they, they, I don't know whether they use money to pay for drinks out in Morgantown. Man. It's more of a barter situation. So, <laughs> um, well, Sean, uh, your your fifth and final pick. I'm very excited to hear who you've got. Yeah, th- this one uh, again. This is tough. I f- I feel like I feel like with my fifth pick. I mean, look at my board right now, right? I mean, I've I've got a good balance. I've got uh, Deuce Vaughn, Bijan Robinson, Colin Oliver, Blake Shapin. So I think that I've got some guys from some of the teams that I think could compete for the Big Twelve. I've got some of the most talented players in the league. I I feel like I'm missing an Oklahoma player. Like I feel like I should have somebody because they certainly could win the league. <laughs> but like I also don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm not picking Dylan Gabriel. Uh, I, I think that running back's going to be a little bit of a rotation, so I don't necessarily see a guy standing up. And and I'm I'm excited about what Oklahoma has a chance to be defensively, but I don't know that they have a clear star necessarily. So. Uh, I, I think that that might just be the issue for me with Oklahoma is that they, is that they just have too many guys who could be the guy and and I'm not putting my eggs into any one basket quite as yet. (sighs) I, so I think, um, I actually, do you know who you're going to pick? Cause, cause I, I, I might monologue a bit after, uh, <laughs> of, of some guys who I, who I might consider. I have an idea of who I'm going to pick. Um, okay. Why don't you go with this? Oh, you're, are you conceding the? the fifth I'm pick? conceding my my pick. So I'll pick again in the sixth. This has round. never happened. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, um, we're changing the order. Um, the trade. You're trading back for whatever reason. <laughs> trading back. Um, I and this kind of. I mean, so you thought I was going to take when you were the last round. I do think. Um, 
obviously I can't take Bijan, but I think Xavier Worthy. Big yeah. big shocker. I think that Xavier Worthy could be really good next season. What? Uh, he was terrific. Uh true freshman last year. Uh, yeah. Ridiculous. Was, the thing about Xavier Worthy that like I think should be scary is that he has a competent quarterback. No, no offense, Casey Thompson, but I mean, well, we think I, he Casey does. had a, like a broken had like a broken thumb too, so at least I'll give him that defense. I do want to say I think I just fell into like the national media trap. I think just being around you and your national media ness, <laughs> um, I've accepted that Quinn Yours is a good quarterback. Which I don't know. Like I like I have no clue if he's going to pan out. I think he's got a decent shot, um, but I think it's. I mean, you're still looking at a guy that should be a true freshman in college right yes, now. Yes. yes. Um, I don't care that he spent a year at Ohio state, like cool. Like, I'm glad you got that one year of college development out of the way when you were 17, but you know, it's one of those things where I'm, I'm still not sure about. And I, I think that Xavier worthy is more of the proven guy who can be a big time playmaker. Um, He's not to say that this is small, but like he's only listed at six foot one and he plays a lot bigger than that. Um, And he's, He, he's got, and I think that's just his, like his stride is, and I don't know if we like talk enough about like receiver stride because like you talked about Marvin Mims being a little bit undersized. He's still got really good, like length as far as just like the way that his body moves, which is very fluid. Um, and the way that Xavier worthy can kind of just get out and he doesn't even need a ton of space. Like first play of the OU Texas game last year. It's just a simple, you know, just like, you know, throwing it out to him in the flats and he just made a play happen. He's, I mean, he's that quick. He's got all the tools, I think, to be a really great NFL receiver. I still have a lot of question marks about what Texas can do offensively, but if Quinn Ewers has enough time to get the ball to Xavier Worthy, I think they'll be okay. No, no question. I mean, I think that Xavier Worthy is like a pretty near surefire all big 12 guy i think he's a borderline all-america guy in two years he'll be a first round pick like they're good right like they're in good shape uh, on that front i the one hesitation that i had about him was that people are going to be cl- just climbing over themselves to credit quinnewers if xavier worthy is good right like they're gonna they're gonna be just like and that's that's the one reason i'm not gonna pick quinnewers as my pick but that's one reason that i feel like you have to have him on your board is because if Texas is any good, Quinn Ewers is getting all of the credit and none of the blame. Like it's just, that's just how it's going to be this next year because of how much hype he's coming in with. And on, on top of that, they do have some other receivers coming in. Isaiah Nair from, uh, from Wyoming, uh, Aggie Hall, like I mentioned from Alabama. So like, I don't, I'm worried that Xavier Worthy is not going to get as much credit as he deserves. Now, maybe in the Big 12 itself, that will be less of an issue because we actually watch Big 12 football. But, um, you know, some of us do. Some of us do. I mean, Lord knows that I'll toss on a, a, an Iowa State, Kansas State game on a on a random Tuesday. You know, that that's just my life. I've chosen this for myself. But uh, hey, man, that, that's you, probably you my it. concern. <laughs> you gotta do it. You it's gotta do uh, it. I was gonna say when like Oklahoma moves to the SEC, I am I'm really excited to be a very like like unironic Big Twelve watcher. Like because yeah. I, I watch the rest <laughs> of the Big Twelve and I watch a lot of college football as it is, but like Thursday nights against you know UCF versus Oklahoma State, 
please give, be fire. give me all of it give me all it's of gonna it be fire <laughs> and like no it, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun i mean obviously you got uh, an oklahoma listenership but it's like it's gonna be funny because saturdays in the sec are going to be like not just life and death but just like certain death for like 80 percent of the league and just like everybody being mad all the time and then it's gonna be like you said like dana holgerson going and like dropping his nuts on matt campbell like it's just it's gonna be just such a different vibe and, and I, 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 I did not say that Jahan was paraphrasing <laughs> <laughs> i would say that um i just want to make that clear <laughs> <laughs> the aggregators are out in full force now. <laughs> Joe Irwin Bettner. <laughs> but um okay, okay. So uh no, I, I think it's a solid pick. I think that Xavier Worthy, along with Marvin Mims, has a chance to be the best receiver in the league. I, I'm curious about if his numbers are ridiculous, right? If if he's at 1300, 1400 yards, I think that there's definitely a pathway to that. So again, I look at this board. I look at this board. I I desperately, like desperately, desperately want to pick a defensive back, and there just isn't one. There just yeah. there isn't one. Like I I don't know who you look to if you're if you're looking for like a potential defensive player of the year. Like it's going to be one of those three guys that we mentioned most likely: Siaki Ika, Colin Oliver, or Felix Enaduke Uzoma. Like it's going to be one of those three guys most likely who's Big Twelve player of the defensive player of the year. I, I want to find a DV, but the, it's just, it's not there. It's, it's not in the cards. Um, so I love Quentin Johnston. I don't think TC is going to be good enough. And, and actually Trey Hodges Tomlinson is maybe the one DB who you could consider, but like TC is not going to be good enough. I'm sorry. They're, they're just not going to be good enough to have a, I, a defensive or offensive player. Of the year. Not to cut you off from your monologue, but uh, I forgot for a second that Quentin Johnston existed um just like <laughs> tcu just once again it's just one of those situations so much talent get him out yeah. of fort worth please get him out like put him on a like lincoln riley like go tamper with tcu you've done it before or i guess it's <laughs> happened to him like the the opposite like get, get your <laughs> right. revenge on tcu <laughs> hey, hey man I, if there's one thing that we know it's that uh, lincoln riley hates transfers <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, it's just not the right way to go about things. <laughs> anyway, anyway, continue with your, yeah. With your... Yeah. So, so, you know, we kind of touched on West Virginia, Kansas state, I think has those two obvious guys. Um, again, Oklahoma, I, I just feel like, I, I feel like it's hard to identify exactly who the guy is uh, on, on defense, especially because there are a lot of guys who I think have a chance to be uh, pretty good. Um, you know, uh, Oklahoma State, I feel like we we touched on the guys. It's tough. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know sort of the the smart way to go. And so I am going to do something insane. And that is pick somebody who is not eligible for either of these awards, because I think that he might be arguably the best player in the league at his position. And that's Texas Tech punter Austin McNamara. Wow. Wow. And you'll get a little bit of blowback for this because I think there's going to be a big time race for all Big 12 punter between. It's going to be great. Between him and Michael Turk from, from Oklahoma. Yeah. And I. I it was great. Uh, I, I would even maybe even throw in Tom Hutton in there from Oklahoma State. I yeah. mean, there, there is some hashtag sexy punting 
going on in the Big 12 right now. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, seriously, I actually, I remember back when I was at Dave Campbell's, I sincerely considered trying to put together an article on like, did Michael Dixon like inspire punting in the state of Texas? <laughs> because since then, it's been ridiculous. There have been so many good punters. Obviously, Braden Mann came through at Texas A&M. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, in the Big 12, Michael Turk has come through. Austin McNamara at Texas Tech. And actually, Texas Tech's special teams under Matt Walls were actually surprisingly good. Like, there have been some really good punters that have come through in the past couple of years. But I, I think that Austin McNamara really stands above to me as being the guy from my perspective. I think Michael Turk obviously is in that conversation too, but um, you know, he, he started for three years for his career averaged over 50, 46 yards uh, per punt, 48.2 last year, only five touchbacks to 20 fair catches, 17 inside the 20 last year, 20 of his 42 punts went over 50 yards. I absolutely love watching Austin McNamara play. I, I I am thankful that Michael Dixon did come through Texas because I didn't get the punting hype. I, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand what kind of art it could be until Michael Dixon came through. And now Texas we've got a lot. Yeah, they did. <laughs> a freaking punter won a bowl game MVP. Yeah. Like, yeah. That that may never be done again. That, that was ridiculous. And he deserved it. That's the wildest part. There was no question he was the best player in that game. And so Austin McNamara is no Michael Dixon because Michael Dixon might be one of the greatest punters that we ever see. But he's really, really good. I think that um, I'll be curious. I have a lot of questions about Texas Tech, but some of them could have answers, to be quite honest. I, I think that if he excels as a punter, their offense is going to have a chance to be really good with their receiver talent and Zach Kitley coming in there from Western Kentucky. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if he is somebody who does flip a game or two, right? Like, yeah. I think that he has a chance to be that kind of good. Um, now, again, it'll, it'll be flipping a game or two to get them to six wins, probably, but... I don't, I mean, who cares? We're talking about special teams player of the year. I, I don't think you need to win 11 to, to win it. Well, that, that is, I, I'm, I'm honestly, when you wanted to trade back, I was confused, but I was just like, no, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, I, I, I do think that a like special teams in the big 12 is like really sneaky. Good. Um, yes. in, in the fact that like, uh, just kind of like from, you know, our, you know, my neck of the woods is like, OU has not emphasized special teams, um, like really ever. Um, and then Shane Bieber comes in and he's, he kind of cares about special teams and OU gets a little right. bit better. Um, and then he leaves and then, and I, there, I mean, this isn't just an OU problem. There are a lot of coaches that don't think you need to spend an on-field role on a special teams coordinator, which like you know, that's, that's your philosophy. I'm not going to tell you you're right or wrong. Um, and it's just one of those things like me philosophically, I feel like I I've seen it. I've seen enough times where a kick returner or a punt returner or a punter or a kicker can flip a game. And it's, uh, it, it, it's one of those things like you don't need them. And like, it's one of those things like you really don't need until like you need them. Um, I don't know that that's not the phrase I'm looking for, but it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you it's, get what it's I'm something saying. that feels like a luxury until it's not. I do have to ask though, why is Michael Turk back? Like, I don't know. He like, I on I mean, I knew he was back probably in my mind, but I also kind of probably assumed that he wasn't. 
like that's He's probably making more guaranteed money honestly right now than he would in the nfl <laughs> like his nil stuff is he's a he's i don't know if you know this or not i'm sure you, you might you might but he's really big on youtube like unironically really? he's like really oh, wow. big on youtube like he does like if you are familiar and i'm gonna age um probably a lot of listeners but like if you know who Mr. Beast is, I feel like he's like college football's Mr. Beast. Like he did like a video where he had three of his teammates like hold on to like, like I'm not great for an audio medium, but like imagine my iPhone is like a PlayStation. Like he had like three of his teammates like put their hand on a PlayStation or Xbox and uh, like the last person to like take their hand off won the Xbox. And I'm like, who, who paid for the Xbox? Um, <laughs> and so he's got a really big YouTube channel. Um, and I'm assuming some pretty good brand deals uh, as far as just like some of the stuff that he, um, you can kind of tell sprinkles in throughout his videos. So he's a, he's, a, if the NFL stuff doesn't work out for him, which I think it a hundred percent will. Um, yeah. He's got a, he's got a budding YouTube career. Yeah. I, again, I, I just, I get it. I mean, sure. You know, I think that I think that under Brent Venables, sure. you're going to have. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're going to have more of an opportunity to have like impactful punts, probably. But I mean, he would have been drafted. He would have been drafted this year. There, yeah. there were some much worse punters than him drafted this year. And like you said, there's no guarantee that the NFL works out. But like, I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't know that I understand why he's back. I mean. I was going to say, uh, I c- couldn't remember his name for the life of me, but like, do you think he was scared of Matareza from San Diego state <laughs> yeah. who He's didn't like, get drafted? Man, well, I mean, I mean, legitimately though, maybe, maybe he thinks that he can be like the 2022 story, P1. you know, like, yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, you know what, you know what, uh, I, I'm flipping my pick. I'm going to go with Michael Dirk. I'm, no, I'm going to go no, with Michael Dirk. No, come no, on. I can't. All right. All right. All right. Nope. That's fine don't, with me, too. Don't uh, Lala Land moonlight it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's a, that's yeah. I, I, I just, I don't understand why he's back. Right. Cause like, cause like Austin McNamara is like a true, like a true senior this year. So like he can get his degree and then go. So that makes sense. But like, Michael Turk earned his degree two seasons ago and is just showing him like maybe he just really wants a piece of paper that says Oklahoma on it too. I I can't imagine that he's like, I I assume he's getting a kinesiology degree or something like that. I have no idea what his major is. I was going to say, and this is not me like sliding him at all. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he was doing some type of religious studies. He's like really like strong in his faith um that's a lot of like the center of his that's a lot of the center of his youtube videos and tiktoks um but yeah i don't know why i mean i was gonna say he's getting a master's in hr oh wow that's fun (laughs) um i was gonna say (laughs) it's that doesn't sound fun at all um (laughs) no it does and also i mean god bless like nfl punter money doesn't last a lifetime but like going from being like an NFL punter to like maybe working in HR is a very odd path. I imagine he's, I imagine he'll try to live the influencer life as long as they'll let him. And I respect it. I respect it. But I was going to say like, I mean, if you're a dude that you're not, it's one of those things where, and this is obviously like, I think comes from 
for for some guys like a place of privilege that they can stick around college a little bit longer. Like some guys yeah. just need to get the money as quick as they can. Um, and I, I get that. Like you have family, like you're trying to support, like you're just trying to get to the league. Totally. But if you can afford, if you can afford to put that off, I don't know why you wouldn't stay in college as long as possible because you're never going to get, and this is, this only really applies if you're like a starter or like a player that the the team considers valuable. Like if you're a walk-on, like this is not the move, but like (laughs) if, if you're a college football player, I don't know, like, and if you can afford to do this kind of thing, I don't know why you wouldn't stay. Cause like, that's the best you're going to get treated in your life. Well, and, and I think that the other thing too, is that, if you're a position where like, it doesn't matter. And if you're a punter, I mean, your stock short of you getting hurt, which is always a risk, isn't going to go down, right? You're not going to get treated differently in the 2023 draft than you are in the 2022 draft. Like there are positions where maybe that's not the case where like, you know, if you don't measure as well, or like sometimes you just need to take your chance, but like there's also a lot of positions where that's not the case. And honestly, on top of that too, uh, I, I think that this is even more true for like guys who aren't next level guys. Like, you know, you got an extra year. Sure. Why not? Like might as well put off life for another year. Lord knows I have lots of friends who have gone back to do random grad school programs so that they don't actually have to be an adult. And, uh, and we're not athletes. Yeah. I mean, if you can, if you can afford to do it, I don't know why you wouldn't like, it, <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I was going to throw throw in a few, just I know we were running a little bit long, um, but just to kind of throw in, like, I mean, like we, we've talked a little bit about like Dylan Gabriel, but like on the, on the OU side of things, I, I, a guy I thought you might've picked, but, um, and probably not as like well-known throughout the conference because he's had injury issues. I think Jalen Redmond, a defensive line for Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's a guy that I think can step in. And now that Perry and Winfrey, Isaiah Thomas, uh, Nick Benito are off to the NFL. I think he can be the focal point of, uh, or like at least be like the leader of that front seven group for Oklahoma. Um, there's probably a few guys. I mean, Colin Oliver at Oklahoma State is like the clear like guy that I think is going to be. Um, and really, this is this is, it's great for him that he's just going into a sophomore season. Like, if there's a guy that can probably run the NIL game with like Oklahoma companies, like Colin Oliver needs to get on that. I think he already yeah. is like doing yeah. some deals, but he could become a household name, especially if he doesn't go after year three. Um, but I, I was going to just say like Oklahoma State, I think has some like. Has some interesting pieces coming back, um, but on the offensive side of the ball, um, they, they, they they've got to get they've got to get the the offensive line figured out. But I think a guy like Brennan Presley um, is really really good, really talented. Um, I'm trying to think around the rest of the league. I mean, Iowa State. We we haven't really that, that's the one team we haven't really talked about. <laughs> we we are I, to be honest. I, I actually I, I don't am, think we talked once about Iowa State this entire time. We talked no. about every other team. It's, we talked yes. about Kansas. Yes. We've not talked yes. about Iowa State. It, it, Iowa State. I feel like I'm flying completely blind on them because yeah. they had. I mean, frankly, they had a generation graduate, right? I mean, they had Greg Eisworth, Mike Rose, uh, Will McDonald, I believe, is gone too. And then Brock Purdy, Brees Hall. Like, these are guys, Charlie Kolar. I mean, these are guys who have been around forever. They were part of every part of the Matt Campbell project. And so now you're kind of just like, 
are are any of these new guys gonna be anything like we, we really don't know well i mean xavier hutchinson is the one guy who who i think that i i think i said his name but not in the context of I, iowa you state did, you did mention him but like remember but like you know they're high on hunter deckers i i think that he has a chance to be something but i'm not picking him on this list and no. i i don't know I wouldn't allow it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what other direction you go is, I guess, the, the frank answer, right? Because they they just do not have any recognizable names. And they've had so many of them for like three years at this point. Xavier Hutchinson, I think, is probably a guy most Big 12 teams probably have a a, a DB on their team that they hate or that they like the least. I probably, it's probably the better way of saying that. And Xavier Hutchinson is probably the reason why they don't like that DB is because he, <laughs> he creates problems, but yeah. you don't, you don't have Brock Purdy back there, which I mean, you can kind of go either way with saying like it was Brock Purdy effective enough. Um, or what, you know, did, did Brock Purdy was one of those guys. Like, I don't think you really ever needed to worry about necessarily like, as long as your team, whoever your team is, like has a good day, like you're going to have a chance. It's just the off chance that like Brock Purdy, like it like turns a gear, which, which mostly just involves him just throwing lobs up to Charlie Kolar. Like yes. he, like, the, well, he well you know, so, sometimes it's Brocktober and <laughs> most of the time it's not. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, I will miss R.I.P. Brocktober. I hope that he's going to San Francisco, right? Um, I believe that's right. He was Mr. Irrelevance. That's oh man, that's so perfect. That, that's perfect. That's absolutely perfect. I really. It, the funny thing is, is that like I hate that moniker. Um, and not to go on some like PC bull crap, but like I'm just like he like to call it Mr. Irrelevant is so <laughs> right. dumb because there's so many free agents that didn't get drafted. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, who we'll end somebody, up being good players too. Yeah, and so, but it's just like he he did yeah. get drafted, but yeah. Right. Shahan, um, I, I know you got a busy schedule. Um. By the way, uh, I, I don't know if we'll release the video to this, but Shahan is dripped out. He's got the 444 Jay-Z shirt, um, and then you got that Bulls 47 brand. Looks like a cleanup. Um, you're rocking it, man. You're just you're killing it. Yeah, man. It's uh, no days off. This is actually me hiding that I uh, that I haven't like showered as yet or anything. Like I still have bed head. That's why I've got a, a hat on. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Life is all about uh, reading and reacting to your situation. And I, when I knew that I needed to show at least my top half, I, I knew that I needed to at least uh, pass the test a little bit. You came ready to answer that. Were, were you really good at like bullshitting your way through like if you were in class and like it's like did you read the assignment and you're like eh. <laughs> do you me, know what my job is bit. now man do yeah you know i know what your job, job is <laughs> it's, it's, my, my entire job is uh hey man we know that uh that you probably know a little something something about 130 college football teams so why don't you say some stuff i i remember actually before the podcast you, you mentioned you're like you know how did you kind of prepare for this how did you kind of uh like what, what are you ready to talk about and i'm like dude just come on let's go let's go i i'm all good I, i'm always ready to talk i need i well the, the thing is when it comes to stuff like this like i have to prepare or like i i actually didn't like intend to take uh 
um felix once again i'm just gonna just yeah. screw up his name this is pretty much non-podcast but like felix anaduka uzuma he was supposed to be my like second or third pick and my list just like i don't he was just buried at the bottom i didn't have it in any order um yeah, yeah. but like i i just saw like uh <laughs> i just saw some of the names i was like i'll just pick that one <laughs> there was no strategy <laughs> that really went into it but no i i definitely i i definitely create manic lists too that just like and and just kind of glance down and uh i know that some people put together like draft boards i'm just like we're going to go for vibes, see what happens. That concludes today's episode of the Eyes on Oklahoma podcast. We really do hope you enjoyed it and appreciate Shahan J. Raja of CBS Sports for joining us once again to talk Big 12 football. This was a this was a fun pod to record. So I uh, appreciate you guys for listening, and we will be back again next week. Uh, if you are not already subscribed to the podcast, we are available on all major podcast platforms. And if you use the Apple Podcast app, leave us a five-star rating and review. It helps get the word out about the show so with that said thank you all once again for listening my name is joe Irwin bettner and we will catch you next time